Hi, and thanks for checking out Drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm Cassidy. And I'm Amanda. And this is a podcast dedicated to the mysterious. Are you into conspiracy theories? True crime? Aliens? The paranormal? If so, you might be interested in our podcast, Drinking the Kool-Aid. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Just remember to keep your front door locked, your mind open, and keep keep drinking drinking the Kool-Aid. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the Velvet Rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Ms. Jenny Hutt. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That is some introduction. I don't think anybody's ever introduced me so um, boldly. Well, you know, welcome. Welcome behind the Velvet Rope. What are you doing today? What What are you up to? All right. So I already did my live radio show from 12 to 2. I exercised before that. I'll probably walk on the treadmill after this. This is what I do every day. I'm either working, I'm on my treadmill, I'm with my kids who are grownups, or I'm with my husband and our five dogs. This is my life. <laughs> do you, and we're going to get into your show afterwards. So do you live at, like before COVID, you live in Long Island and you commute into the city to see yeah, this? But, but I, yeah, but I was doing um, a lot of my shows from home. I would go into the city for like a super important guest. And in fact, I got to say that COVID has sort of made it easier to do remote broadcasts, which even though I was doing them already, it's better now because everybody's on Zoom. So I get to see all my guests now, whereas then... Some of the time they were just in my headset or they were on the phone and it was definitely, I feel like less intimate than it is now when it's remote because with the video, I feel like I'm in the same room with everybody. Yeah. And like, for me, at least it's helped book bigger names. Cause like, it's the standard of like, everyone's at home now. And before I'd be like, you know, I didn't know ego, but I would just be like, if you don't want to come to my studio, you were kind of like on my B list. And that was a lot of people. I get that. I get that. But I think that people, when they don't want to show up, we can make it that it's about us or like, we're not worth getting out of bed for. But I don't think that's what it's about. I think that everybody has their own stuff. Like, I know that I, I love people in my life. I don't want to leave to go see them. And it's not about their being important or not. It's that I'm a hermit, essentially. Like, I like to be home. I feel safest at home. I've got my own issues. And I think that's generally what it always is. People are, people do what makes them feel the most comfortable. And it's rarely actually about something about you. Kind of like, I don't mind the quarantine part of being home. I mean, I I did in the beginning because I was out seven nights a week. Yeah. Like, you know, the self-respecting single gay New York city boy that I am. How to do what you had to do. But now I have to say, I'm like, you want me to walk across the street? I'm like, I don't want to. Cozy at home. So cozy. So cozy. I know. And we don't have to shower. So like, what more do you want? 
Well, this is a, the shower thing is funny because it's like I I like to smell good. That's like one of the those things about me. I always I'll never be the girl who wears a bikini. I will always be the girl who smells good. So I typically shower a lot. But in quarantine, I try to not shower till later in the day so that I'll move my body more. Because once I shower, I put on my pajamas. It's like exercise clothes and then pajamas. And there's nothing in between. So I have to like wait the day to then take the shower so I don't just sit. That makes sense. And you're originally from Long Island, from Roslyn, right? Yep. Yep. My, you know, uh, my cousins, they're like around your age, a little older. They are from, they grew up in Roslyn. Who? Their last name is Holiday, Mark and Dina Holiday. I, is, is there only one high school in Roslyn? There is, but I went to private wow. school. So I went to okay. a little Quaker school called Friends Academy in Locust Valley. And I went there from the time I was four years old. So I really, I knew some of the Roslyn kids, but I knew them more from my teen tour or my camp. And, uh, some are, and, and my friends that I met on the teen tour, like friends of friends or my best friend, I met her when I was working the Alesse booth at US Open in like 1986. Like that, that's how I would meet the Roslyn kids or the Jericho kids or the old Westbury kids. Cause it was mostly people who went to Friends Academy were from all over Long Island. Did you love growing up on Long Island? I mean, I had a different experience I think from most of the, the kids that in my age group, I mean, I'm 50 now, so I'm no longer a kid, but the, the people, with who with whom I grew up, the Long Island experience was different. I was sort of on the preppy side of things in a way because of the school, and uh, so I didn't I didn't really grow up in the kind of like what we then called Jappy, which is a horrible pejorative kind of thing. But I had sort of two lives because I had the school life, and then I had my summer friends, which were my out of school friends. And they were like my camp life. But that was really toward the end of high school when I was starting to drive. And that was really, really fun. Well, I'm from Connecticut, so I know all about preppiness. Right. There you go. Which part? Uh, Orange. It's like right past. It's like Orange, Woodbridge, Bethany. It's like right past Fairfield County. It's, it. you know what? Like Long Island, Connecticut, New Jersey, in a way, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. Like, you know that you'll ultimately end up in New York. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't know that I'd end up in Long Island with my kids and sort of redo my life, but this just it felt right and and uh it worked out. So So now growing up, your father was Charles Koppelman. He still is. Still is my father. He still is your father. Yeah. So he Right. Yeah. So I mean that's like a good thing, you know, that he's still your father. Um, so he, you know, CBS records. So he was around all these big people that we know right. and love. He, he did a lot. He actually, I mean, he was, I don't know if he was a CBS, he was at Columbia. He launched his own record label called SBK Records in the late 80s, early 90s. And then he sold that to EMI Music. And then he had, he was sort of the head of EMI Music for many years. Um, but the more interesting part, I think, of his career back then was that he executive produced a lot of artists and he found a lot of artists and he put together different duets like he was responsible for putting together Diana Ross and Lionel Richie for Endless Love, um, Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand for Enough is Enough. So he did things like that. He was responsible for Dolly Parton's Here You Come Again, her crossover hit. He got her to take that song um, and he produced that whole album. So he worked with really the greats, and uh, he's super talented. They he they called him the man with the golden ear. 
he like could hear a hit. Like he knew if he heard a hit. Vanilla Ice was his, yeah. Oh, I know. We, oh, listen, we have a list here that we're about to get to. So, okay. I mean, thank you for mentioning all those names because they were all on the list. But, you know, to your point, like, right, like who's going to think to put like Donna Summer and like Barbara Streisand together? Yeah. Yeah. But it, honestly, but the, the thing about him that was, was really um, also pretty amazing, I think looking back, you know, it was just our childhood. So like, I don't, I don't know any other way of growing up, but my dad made it really fun. He was very um, inclusive with us. Like we would get to be in the studio with artists and really see the process. And it was just how it was. Or we'd go to his office and answer the phones. And uh, it was just, we were just always together. It wasn't, he wasn't the kind of father that sort of kept his work separate. We were just all a part of it, all of it. So like, because it was like your childhood and just, you know, it was your life. You didn't know any different. Like, did you realize like, oh, like Barbara Streisand's a really big deal? Well, there were, yes. So, so there was at one point um, when people started thinking that Barbara Streisand lived in our house and that was weird. Like people would say, where do you live? And I'd say where I live. And they'd say like, oh, you live near Barbara Streisand's house. And I was like, no, like that, you're, that's our house because she had come here. So people had seen, this is before the internet, before paparazzi. So people had seen that she had come to our house or something. And that became this like myth that this was her house. And so that was bizarre. And yeah, I mean, people would go bananas if they would see her somewhere, but um, with us, cause we'd go on vacations together. And there was a period of my life that we did a lot with Barbara and with Jason and John Peters at the time. And, uh, but what was more important, I think, or what was conveyed to us more was how talented she, she was and is. So my father was never impressed with celebrity for celebrity's sake. He was always impressed by talent. So she was, I mean, you don't get more talented than Barbara. So that's what I, that's what I remember was her playing the guitar and like just working out some like acoustic something of a melody. And that was the sort of thing that I knew she was um, extraordinary. And in terms of a big deal, I mean, yeah, at some point, probably around the time I was 13, I knew that she was the icon that's, that's Barbara Streisand. But again, I just knew that she was nice to me. Or like in the, the case of Dolly Parton, she, you know, Dolly is one of the finest humans you'll ever meet. And she was as lovely as you would hope she would be. Because I'm sure, David, you've met a lot of famous people or a lot of, um, also, well, I guess famous is fair. So not notorious people, whatever. And, uh, and sometimes they're like really amazing. And other times you're like, oh, that did not, I should not have met that person I really was a huge fan of. But Dolly was one of the, is just one of those people that, that you get exactly what you hope you will. And she's exactly, you know, she's just, there's just no better. So like, just take me through like going on. Well, like, when did you realize like, okay, so like you were out with Barbara Streisand yeah. hypothetically on vacation, yeah. you know, and like to you, she's a person like your father loves yeah. her talent, but like, did you see, like, when did you first realize like, wait, people are staring, people are out. Oh, God, always. Because I was, I was, I was a young kid. So I, so I mean, I could have been eight years old or 10 years old when we would, were on vacation. So I knew then that she was known or that people would want to talk to her. And Barbara was not 
I mean, I haven't seen her in recent years. She was not the type that wanted to be bothered, not because she was unkind, but because she was shy. She didn't, she didn't want to do that stuff. She didn't want to engage because she was shy. So it was like, we would always protect her almost in a circle. And it, but we would see, yeah, of course, early on, I would know that people. Um, and like, did you understand like that concept of fame? And you know, like to you, she was just Barbara. Yeah, I, yes, I understood the concept of fame. But to me, she was Barbara. I didn't, I mean, to me, she was, she was just Barbara. And what was she like as just as she was um, shy? Right. To me, great. I mean, I, that I love Jason. I mean, it, it was a different, but it was, you know, it was a very intimate relationship because I, I was a, kid, a child and my dad had worked closely with her and my mom was friends with her and it was just, it was just part of our lives. So I think we knew that it was unusual, but um, it was just fun. It was just fun and really cool to see like that talent so up so close like that was uh she's remarkable i mean she's remarkable. yeah i mean it's just innate talent yeah oh yeah i mean and so hardworking. and so i think that i whenever i would hear through the years sort of people um questioning her attitude this is years later like after my father wasn't working with her anymore um i was always struck by how almost ignorant those comments were because her work ethic was so incredible and her drive and her talent was really, and is really genius. So whatever somebody sort of mistook as an attitude was really her own, um, her own sort of knowing that something had to be exactly the way she saw it in her mind's eye. And I think that's fair. I think that it- The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who's a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and better help really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. It mattered to her. And she works harder than anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think so too. It's just about the work, you know, and like if you're that good, you just have a vision and you just need to execute it and Correct. You need people to help, but you just got to kind of stay out of the way. And just yeah. Get done. Like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Have you ever gone to the underground mall? No, underground mall. In her house. Oh God. I mean, in her, I've been to the Malibu house. That was years and years ago. Um, I've been to, I mean, I haven't, and this is going back. This is like the last time I was at her house was like probably 1984. I mean, a very, very long time ago. So I don't, I don't remember a mall. I do remember Malibu and I do remember Jason's bar mitzvah. There were a lot of tents everywhere. Like this is what I I must've been nine. Um, And I remember there were a lot of animals on the property and it was beautiful. Um, But I don't remember an underground mall. I think it might've been the Malibu house. Yeah. I don't think, I don't remember a mall, but it could be there now. She loved to antique with my mom. They did a lot of antiquing. Really? Mm-hmm. What about, didn't you just have our good friend, John Pascarella tells me you just had a reunion with Dolly Parton somewhat recently. John. You know, John is a, John is, I think my number one fan and uh, he is the best person. And I just, I love him. But we yes, love him. Dolly, so Dolly, uh, I just will forever love Dolly Parton. But when I was a little girl, she told told my brother and me that we were going to work in entertainment and, and essentially that my sister was going to be home with her kids. I was like seven. Um, I got to be in the studio with her when she recorded some of the Here You Come Again album. And uh, there were concerts that she dedicated songs to me. I mean, I just was really connected to her as a kid. And through the years... I think you get sort of, I don't believe in the bucket list concept because it's too morbid for me, but there's people on your wish list that you want to reconnect and talk to. And so Dolly um, had come to Sirius XM a couple of times and I just, I never could get the interview. And I was going through the proper channels. I was going through kind of like the talent department or doing what like I was supposed to do. And then finally, I just reached out. I saw she was going to be in New York and I reached out to her assistant just myself and I sent an email and said if she's any time I will come to her I will I just want to sit with Dolly and that was in the fall and she made time for me her manager wrote back and was like she has no time and then wrote back again it was like she's making time like it was just the nicest uh thing and I got to sit with her for like 40 minutes and it was really cool she was just everything I remembered and um god is she gorgeous oh my was it like a formal interview or it was just like a sit and catch up? It was a formal interview. I brought someone with me and recorded it and we took video and, but it was also very warm and just like a walk down memory lane. And that was, that was just, I, it was really, um, I felt really lucky that I was able to get that done. What's, so- what's something about Dolly Parton that would shock us? Oh, wow. Um, that would shock you. 
I don't think any of it would shock you. I think her energy level is really um, inspiring. I think pretty much everything about her is inspiring. Um, people, people might not know just how good she is on the inside. She's just this incredibly warm, well-wishing, lovely person who takes care of her entire family. So her team is comprised of nephews and nieces and cousins and siblings, and she is the most loyal to people who've, who've been in, involved in her life. So maybe that's surprising that someone of that level of accomplishment and talent um, hasn't forgotten from where she came. And I think her life's mission is always giving back and supporting. So maybe that's it. She's just a really fantastic woman. And what about, I've been, one of my regrets, like out of all the people I've seen in concert yeah. is I've never seen Donna Summer and I really wish I have. So Donna Summer is, I happen to know um, my mother's best friend, my mother passed away a little more than 12 years ago. Her best friend was best friends with Donna Summer. And uh, my, my friend Holly, my mom's friend Holly, who's also my friend, but she's my mom, you know, closer to my mom's age then. Yeah. But uh, Donna Summer was the nicest woman. Um, her reputation that preceded her was just, she was all good. And that is all I know about her, was that she was just all good. Like, I can't believe we lost her as long ago now as we did. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And what about like Diana Ross? Did you interact with her? I didn't. I don't think, I can't remember if I ever met Diana Ross. Um, I know her daughter a little bit because we were in an acting class together. But, uh, so I know Tracy, but I don't really know Diana. But I mean, she's as talented as you could possibly be. And then did your father work with Cher? Why do I think he worked with Cher? Or am I just making I that up? Possible? I don't know. It's possible. He worked with like, that was sort of his, it was all the greats. It was all those kind of greats. So, I mean, you know, your bar mitzvah, your wedding. Yeah. So I had, um, I didn't have a bar mitzvah. I had like a big party instead. Um, I had a sweet 16 and that was the, that was my sweet 16 was kind of legendary. That, but this is how my dad was fun. I mean, that was the whole, it wasn't it, like in today's world, I feel like when people do these big parties, they're, they're sort of like who can outshow the next person. And right. uh, my parents weren't like that. My parents were only interested in making things fun. So my sweet 16, I loved old school rap. I loved Run DMC. And I made my sweet 16 invitation I made it a rap song. So I was in algebra class and I wrote an invitation to you talk too much by Run DMCs. And then I went into the studio and recorded at that back then it was a cassette tape and sent it out to everybody. So because I loved Run DMC, my father hired them for my sweet 16. Now I didn't know he was doing it until my sweet 16, like when they showed up. So uh, that was a <laughs> was some kind of some kind of night. The Beastie Boys were also there just before they sort of broke big and uh, he threw them out of my sweet 16 because they were rifling through my mother's underwear. It was at my house and they were rifling through my mother's underwear drawer and they were spilling drinks all over the guests and he, he tossed them from my party. Really? Um, yeah. But Run DMC was, was just as you'd expect, unbelievably terrific, gracious and just awesome. Well, I mean, the fellow kids in Roslyn must have gone insane. 
people, it's, it's still talked about. The invitation, people still kept, people have my Sweet Succeed invitation still. I have it in an MP3 now because it was, that was the stuff of legends and the whole thing was just, yeah. And this was before like the Beastie Boys toured with Madonna for like, right like a, yeah, it was 1986. Yep. So everyone's like, just throw them out, you know? Yeah. Oh, my father sat them down and was like, this is really great for your reputation that you're getting thrown out of a Sweet Sixteen party. It's exactly who you are. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. They were naughty. What about at your wedding? Did my anyone... wedding, John Sakata sang at my wedding, I think. Uh, Tommy Toon, Broadway star, was performed at my wedding. Um, and then it was pretty much just your basic giant wedding. My sister's wedding had I, the weather girls. Oh, Barry Manilow performed at my sister's wedding. That was well. That was I mean, I love. I love. I'm a Manilow. I love him. Do you? Yes. I've I've seen him in Vegas. It's yeah. a good show. I love. Him. I saw him in New York and saw he was he worked with my dad at some point or another and he's uh, just, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's Barry. Do you like, I mean, like, do you like a certain type of music? Like, who are your, like, favorites now? Or is so, it all? I can't believe I've turned into this person. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to have kids, and I'm going to love their music, and I'm never going to say turn it down. Never going to be that mother in the car that's like, take your music off. And I'm so that mother in the car. I'm like, Raquel, turn it I cannot hear this anymore. Cause she, my kids, they like, like regular, like what all the kids listen to, like very hardcore music and WAP and stuff. I mean, the lyrics of all of these things is just, it's too much for me to handle. And uh, so I like adult contemporary. I like the 106.7 light FM. Like I like the, the nice songs. I like, um, you know, Carol King and, and, uh, Barry Manilow and Barbara Streisand and Dolly. I like sort of that old school music or the stuff today. I like the fray. I like a great melody. I like a phenomenal voice. I mean, I love Adele, of course. I love Taylor Swift, her new album. Oh my God. I listened to it from start to finish and I just thought, So that's current. Oh, that is current, but she, no, I love a singer songwriter. I don't need sort of all the extra splash though I do I think Lady Gaga's extraordinarily talented so like I love her and she's very splashy but uh but I was listening to Alanis's new album and it I haven't heard it it came out the same like the same week as Taylor's Cardigan and Cardigan was just oh my god just so great so I like, uh, and then I like Justin Timberlake. I mean, I like the stuff that I want, but I really poppy more than anything else. It's just like, do you, I listen, music has changed. Yeah. It's just changed. I like the blend on Sirius XM or Yacht Rock. Like that. Wait, if I were to ask you to name a song by Dolly Parton or Queen, could you answer that in under 15 seconds? If the answer is yes, you need to play Trivia Star. What about if I asked you for a member of the Beatles or New Kids on the Block? Could you answer that in under 15 seconds? If the answer is yes, you need to play Trivia Star. What if I were to ask you to name a movie by John Travolta or Tom Hanks? Can you answer that in under 15 seconds? If the answer is yes, you need to play Trivia Star. Do you guys know the capital of Canada? 
How about the country of origin for kebabs? Play Trivia Star now and prove your knowledge. Listen, Trivia Star is perfect for anyone listening to this podcast. It's a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories that you get to choose from. Music, TV, animals, and celebrities. Come on. Do we want to talk about anything here behind the velvet rope other than music, TV, and celebrities? But they have over 60 different categories. If you choose the correct answer from the multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. It sounds simple, right? But the questions get harder and harder over time. So if you get stuck, don't worry. You get these coins and gems and you, you use the coins and gems to get hints, and then you can beat that level, and then you can move on. And if you love trivia like I do, honestly, this game, you will get sucked in. This game is amazing. Right now, Trivia Star is offering 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. You get those for free, and that's what you need to do to move on to the next level if you get stuck and you need help. I cannot stop playing this game. It is so addicting. I love the celebrity category. I love the music category. And duh, I love the TV category. Trivia Star has thousands of five-star reviews in Apple, in the Apple Store, and it's the number one trivia game on the App Store. So download it today. Challenge yourself. Just go to Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Go to Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. You are going to love this. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. It is so fun. You will be addicted just like I am. That kind of feel. Yacht Rock is good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So you and I were both at Hofstra Law School. We were. Did you grow up saying, I mean, how does that happen? Did you want to be a lawyer? My dad dad really wanted us all to to have law degrees. And um, so I went along with it. I mean, when I was done with college, I didn't didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't have a path. So I was like, all right, I'll take the LSAT. If I get in, I get in. It was really that simple. And going back to then, I think times were different. I mean, this is the the 90s. It's very different from now how people kind of structure and plot out and plan their lives. I, my parents weren't, um, they were not type A in that way. Like we all went to college. They, I don't think they ever looked at my grades. And I don't really, I don't look at my kids' grades either. I mean, they do fine. I don't, I don't, I don't think I see their report card. I mean, really? Call. Yeah. Cause I just, you huh. can't, I just didn't, I don't know. They, but I have two smart kids. So that already happened. Like they, my son was incredibly academically motivated and, and my daughter is very talented and she's in a music program and she had an audition to get into that. And my son is just, was really good at school. I mean, so we just never put a big focus on it. Did you like law school? I thought law school was, was actually way more fun than college. Really? College, yeah. I liked law school more than college, yeah. How and why? Well, did you you and I go to the same law school? Did I? Because I wasn't invested in like I didn't need to make law review. I just needed to get through it. And I um, met really nice people. I went to my best friend went to school with me, and so that was so much fun. And we were I don't know. I lived. I moved into New York City a year after I started. I did the reverse commute. And then I just, I don't know. I, I liked, it was fun. I liked the learning. I liked learning how to um, think like a lawyer, even though I didn't really want to be a lawyer. Yeah. I think the way you think is the o- only positive 
thing I can say about it. Math other than tax law. So I, I appreciated that. I liked sort of learning um, how to see both sides of an argument. And it, I think that kind of targeted learning is, is more effective for someone like me than, than the blanket liberal arts education, which at Tufts was lovely and I was an English major, but like that meant I would read a book like for 10 days before an exam, I'd read a book a day and I'd take the test and I'd do fine and I'd move on. Like I just, I wasn't, I didn't have a passion for any of that. Well, I am glad that you enjoyed your time at Hofstra Law School. I'm sorry you didn't. <laughs> I think you're the only person I've ever spoken to who did. I know. I said my friends did. My friend, we had a good, we had a cute friend group. It was fun. It like, was no just... offense to Hofstra, but I guess, I mean, you were in the city and reverse commuting and okay. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it, it does teach you to think a certain way. And for that, I give kudos. Yeah. So... Let's talk about, before we get to your wonderful current show. Wonderful. So wonderful. So growing up, talk to me about when did you, did you grow up with Alexis Stewart? No, I did not. Um, I, so I met Alexis when, uh, hold on a sec. What did my husband say? They shorted you. I don't even know. My, and people text you. I, you. You probably don't have this problem, but like, I'll say to my family, everyone, like, I'm busy from this time to this time. Nobody cares. I do a daily radio show, 12 to 2. Nobody cares. They text me. They call me. It's this emergency. It's that emergency. I'm like, I'm just busy until this time. And after this time, I'm totally available. They just don't. Nobody listens. It's amazing. Do they, do they ever, like, so because you're, like, in a room when you do your show, right, in your house? They, yes. So they come in all the time. They come in all the time. I mean, people, I mean, I'm alone at home. Yeah. So that's one thing, but people do text me. I just don't, li- I'm like, if You're I told right. you that I cannot talk. You exactly. Need to- You're rational. And I let people like, you know, you have a backbone. I don't, but anyway, so Alexis and I met, um, I was assisting. I went to assist. I wasn't working. I had two little kids and my dad needed someone to be his assistant when he went to work with Martha after Martha was convicted and then coming out of jail. And so I volunteered to be his executive assistant and um, it was great. It was great fun and to have that, that day job. And then Alexis and I met there and then she asked me to do a radio show with her and that's how I started being on the air. And that was actually 15 years ago, like this week, which is, crazy that the show started but um was you enjoyed being your father's executive assistant I mean I was really uh maybe the best executive assistant there could possibly ever be Um, really oh yeah I was an unbelievably diligent excellent worker and look I had his interest um best interest at heart always because he's my father uh I think the fact that I am a lawyer Uh, made me very conscious of protecting him. So there was like that added bit of of, uh, what I could offer and bring to the table. And then it was fun to see how people treat you. And because that was wild. They didn't know. I have a different last name from my father. I'm married. So my last name is Hutt. So when people would call, I mean, it was great being the gatekeeper and having them not realize I was also his daughter. That was super fun because oh. total jerks and you could really tell a lot about people, how they treat the gatekeeper. 
Right. So you already had this last name and people just thought, and they were not nice. Sometimes they were not nice. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And they interesting. And the people who were nice, that was great. Cause then I was like, Oh, that's really a good person. And the people who were douchey, I was like, wow, this is just fascinating. Wait till they realize, and then they're going to feel like a jerk. And then they're going to kiss your ass. Yeah. I mean, but I'd rather know who you are for real than, than you front. So that's good. But, uh, but it is interesting to sort of see human nature. But then after Alexis asked me to do this, so I'd started working in, I'd say March or April of 2005. And then it must've been by June or July that Alexis asked me to do the show with her. Now it was so crazy because like, she sort of had asked me just like, I'm doing a show on Sirius. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, okay. But like, it was so like, do you want to have lunch on Tuesday? And then like two hours later, Martha called me into her office and was like, I hear you're doing a show with Alexis. And I was like, what? Like, okay. And then my dad was like, what's happening? Like, it was really that insane and just happened. But we had this fantastic show that we launched October 24th of 2005. And we did that show together for five and a half years. And then Alexis quit. She didn't want to do the show anymore. She didn't want to be my friend anymore. Who knows? And then I just ended up doing my own show in January of 2012. So I was really, I never was not on air. I just went from doing that show to then my own. And like going to law school, like even though your father was in media, like did you ever, I mean, before Alexis just said, get into the studio, did you ever think of doing this? I mean, I, I had, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, there was definitely a part of me that wanted to entertain, but then the older I got, the less appealing that seemed. And when, after law school, I went to an acting school, which is where I was saying I met Dan Ross's daughter, Tracy Ross, who's unbelievably talented. And I, I'm so proud of her for her success and, and not at all surprised. I mean, that's who that she is. Um, but I met my husband my first year of this acting class, this William Esper Studios acting class. And uh, I just, after that, I dropped out. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I just wanted to be married and make babies, like initially. And so I did like a little per diem legal work. Like just, I'd go on an appearance for another lawyer and, and to, I don't know, tell the judge to stay some sort of motion. Because that's what you could get hired for per diem. It was like acting, essentially, with a little yeah. bit of knowledge. Um, and then, and then I thought about doing voice work, but that never really, I did like one commercial for ESPN and, um, and then I just lost my mojo about it. I was like, I just want to take care of my kids. I don't need anyone to know my name. I was like, I'd rather not have anyone know my name. It was a very interesting time. I got nervous about the whole thing, like just paranoid almost. And, and, and I wasn't successful. So I don't know why I was paranoid, but there was this part of me that was like, oh, I need to just be with my kids and be home and locked in. And then I, so, but, uh, but radio always and talk radio was always kind of fascinating to me, but I just, I never knew that trajectory or how anybody did that. And again, this is 2005. People weren't really, I mean, YouTube was more fringe than it was kind of ubiquitous. And certainly talk radio was, was exactly like Howard Stern. I mean, it wasn't, and Dr. Ruth, like it didn't, it wasn't a, a thing that I ever thought of until then. And then we started doing it and it was just the most magical experience I think of my life to feel like I stepped into somewhere I belonged. And uh, 
And I think you know this probably, David, from doing your podcast, there is an extraordinary intimacy with radio and with the audio and connecting with people. And my listeners from the jump just sort of made me feel like I was normal with all like my weird idiosyncrasies. And, um, and I think I provided that for them too, because I'm pretty much a nervous wreck and I'll talk and I talk about all of it. So like anything that I go through pretty much played out on the air and, and instead of, um, being sort of, uh, people responding with, Oh, you're, there's something wrong with you or you're the responses I always got was, Oh my gosh, you're just like me. And that's, there's incredible comfort in that. So it just, it felt like home being on the air felt like home. Yeah. I mean, it's like therapy in a way. I feel like when I interview someone, I'm like, it's not about me at all, but yet I don't need to say anything. And yet I'll get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you relate, you just can, it's, there's just some, cause we're all the same. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you realize that we spend our lives thinking, oh my gosh, it's just me who's having this kind of problem, or it's just me who's feeling like that, or I'm the only one who thinks she's a loser. And then you realize like everybody thinks they're a loser. Like most of us feel really awful a lot of the time and we like fight through it to show up. Um, totally. And then you, we're all the same. Like it's, which is kind of cool. And to me, it's intimate in the sense of like, okay, so I drink lots of vodka. So like the older I get, I swear, the, I swear the more experiences you have as a human, like I don't remember, it's scary sometimes, but I don't remember in life. But if I interview someone, like I will always remember, like it's just, it's weird. It's like, you're just like, maybe if I'm this laser focused without a phone all the time, I would remember everything, but I don't. And like, when I interview someone, I'm like, I can go back to that interview and like 90% remember like that person at that moment. So that says yeah. something. Well, cause you're having, you don't really get so often the time to have that unbroken time with someone, which isn't, there were no distractions. Totally. Yeah. So when Martha, like, did you interact with Martha before she called you into her office? Oh and yeah, said, all the time. Martha's the greatest. I mean, I have such, I have such good memories of both Martha and Alexis. I think I spend my life trying to focus only on kind of the good stuff and uh, leaving the rest behind. Cause I'm not sure how it serves me to dwell on anything sort of dark. Um, we have enough darkness right now in society. I don't, I don't need to add to that. But yeah, Martha was amazing. I learned so much. First of all, I never in my life knew how to bake from scratch. Like I didn't grow up in a house where people baked other than like a box of Betty Crocker or Duncan Hines. And so Alexis taught me how to bake. Um, Martha taught me one of the greatest lessons. I, we were backstage at Letterman and Martha was going to be on. And I happened to have known the, uh, at the time, the, the head writer, executive producer, this guy, Rob Burnett. I, I interned for Letterman when I was 20 or 21. And Rob had gone to Tufts and I went to Tufts. And so we had that connection. He was always very nice to me. So in later years, we still stayed connected. So when I went to Letterman with Martha, Rob was there. And I guess we were going to go into Rob's office and I, and I said something about like feeling less than or not feeling so great because I was always insecure. And Martha was like, oh no, you're fabulous. And you need to know that you're fabulous. And when you're this, that, and like the lesson was essentially, you have to like own your space, own your power and know that you're incredible. And that stayed with me because so much of, of success comes from believing in yourself and how you walk into a room. So yeah. I had a lot of those kind of moments. Yeah, she was really cool to be around. I, I mean, 
Oh my God. She's smart. And now oh. I don't know the year that your father left, but I worked, I think way before, but I worked at Martha Stewart. I was in charge of hiring. I was in charge of when? HR. Like, okay. So again, probably After like- Laura Schmidt? Yeah, like probably 2012-ish. So he probably left in 2011. I forgot who yeah. the C... Like, if I heard the name, I could tell you who the CFO and CEO is, but I don't really... Yeah, I know exactly. It was literally one year after. It was one year after. Yeah, yeah. So I worked there for like two years I'm in sure charge of hiring. All the same people and have a lot of the same stories. So, I mean, I felt the same way. I felt like Martha is kind of like maybe like a Barbara, you know, just like knows yep. what she's doing and just needs yep. to get it done. Yep, brilliant. You know, and there were stories, but nothing like I felt that, listen, I have the thickest skin, like until you really come for me, like you you can't insult me. Like, I, I don't care. Like, you I can scream care. at me. Like yeah. ask our mutual friend, John Pasquale. You think John Pasquale doesn't call me and say, get off the fucking phone, call me. Like I, 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 I'm on a short leash. How about all of us? His his joy in life is bawling me out. Do you Same know he here, honey. For a year, he bullied me for one year because I had to cut my hair. It was as if I murdered somebody. A year ago, I had to cut my hair to my shoulders because my hair got damaged and someone burned half of it. So I, half of my hair was like shoulder length and half of my hair was long. So literally one year ago, it took, it took one year to grow back six or seven inches of hair. It's fine. It's back now. For one year, he bullied me about having short hair. How did I let this happen? I've ruined myself for one year. He Listen, I stop. And he helps me immensely, but when I ask for help, it's like I mean, it's I need to be available twenty four hours a day, seven I love days him a week. So much. But he's true to who he is. I mean, I he, that's he's just. And then listen, it's not that I don't give it back, but huh? it's not that I don't give it back. But I always and so I have a thick skin. Like I listen, I would rather you scream at me at the top of your lungs then you be so nice to me and me yes. be like, I don't know what's going on. Yes. Oh God, yes. I, I, much, I need to know who you are. I don't want to, I don't have time for, for you know, backstabbing. I just, I'm, I'm not interested. So you worked on this radio show with Alexis and then what? Yeah. She just didn't want to be your friend anymore? Essentially, I mean, it's, it's all convoluted now. I mean, this is a long time ago. This is 2011 or 2010. So we've written a book and- I'm not really, I mean, I don't really know why she didn't want to be my friend anymore, but, um, or work with me anymore. But I think also she just moved into a new phase. She, when we had a TV show, it was during that time, we had three TV shows, but it was during the time that we had one of them that she had her daughter. And I think her priorities shifted and whatever else shifted and, uh, and she was just done. And so there you go. And it's really... I'm fine. I mean, there's a, there's an interview we did on the Today Show in 2011 when we launched the book. It was like our only day of promotion. And you could kind of, you can see it there. We hadn't seen each other in six months. It was the first time we saw each other and the first time we'd spoken. And we sort of fell right into our old kind of dynamic. Um, but yeah, she just, you know, I don't think there's any bad feelings anywhere at this point. It's just been time has gone by and it's okay. Did you keep in touch with Martha after that or just? I have seen Martha. I saw Martha when my sister and I created these glasses, our bunny eyes glasses, and uh, which are patented. They're which we're, 
We're yes. gonna. I have questions on that too. About that in a minute, but uh, but we were we were asked by Bank of America to go to like an event that they were doing in California with Bunny Eyes, and that was so cool. And so Martha was there, so we had a couple dinners together. And I mean, I could call Martha today. I mean, she's you know we're great. There's no. I have only good feelings. Do you think? I mean, does it shock you when you see like? This new, Mar- well, I don't even know new Martha Stewart, no, but you see this uh, Martha Stewart smoking pot with Snoop no, Dogg. Not, none of that shocks me, no. Nope. She's another one. I think she's like a marketing genius. No, she's, yeah, she's just a genius. She's just, she's Martha. Yeah. Well, one of the guests on your TV show with Alexis was the national treasure that is Miss Paula Abdul. So did I you interact? Paula Abdul, I think, has been to my house for some reason. I feel like she did something with my father at one point. She's great. She is so nice. Oh my God. She is so nice. Nice lady. Did you ever have a celebrity where you, like you said, you met and you're just like, uh, yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there was, I mean, there was one, you know, there was one sort of notorious bad interview I had only once. I had a bad interview with Leah Michelle. I, I wonder if it's cause she had a bad day. I can't, you know, I, the, the older I get, the more I realize that people's behavior has nothing to do with me and everything to do with whatever's going on with them. I've had some people on this show that have had things to say not pleasant about Leah. So I'm not sure it was a bad day. I mean, I'm not trying to cause shade. But don't you feel like that's a thing like that most people when they are not solicitous or they're not warm or they're not sort of coming or showing up to play that it's about them. I mean, especially with the job that we do. I mean, you have people on your podcast. If they come to your podcast and they're not there to like engage with you, it's got to be about them because what, like, why'd they come? Not about you. Well, they could just be in the middle and be like, oh, I have no interest in David. I, then why say yes? Yeah, I don't know. Right, that's the thing. Like, I just, I can't, I can't make that about me. You said yes. Don't, but, don't talk to my show if you don't want to be here. But don't you think, okay, so like Aaliyah and Michelle, like if enough people say it, like, don't you think there's smoke where there's fire? No. I, again, I, I, I think it comes, for me, it comes with age that the, the more I think about it, the more I think that when people behave in a way that is unsavory, it's always about something with them, that something happened, something is going on. Maybe it doesn't manifest the way in which I'd like my behavior to manifest, but I tend to just think this was about that. Like this was just a, a rough day they were having and I kind of just let it go. Um, and I've met overwhelmingly more really great people to be around. Than, than not. Uh, there are people I won't name names. There have been like super handsome young actors that have done my show and they've walked out of the studio and I've looked at my producers and said never again because they were dumb as a stick. And like I can pretty much handle anything. Like you were saying, you have this incredibly tough skin and thick skin. I have pretty thick skin when it comes to like how people treat me and I can really go in any direction in a conversation. But if you're dumb as a stick, I'm really compromised. Like that's where, like the blank stare and the inability to like play verbal ping pong, I'm out. Like that's, I can't, you know, I can't fake it. I can't front it, I'm out. And you've had that. And I, I would love for you to mention names. You don't have to, but you've had that where like, they're really the hottest thing now, attractive I, and they just come in and. Um, yeah, and I want to die. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And do they think like, I don't need to try because I'm the hottest thing? I like, No, I, I mean, I could say it to you off the record, but I'll do that when we're not. So curious. I know. Yeah, I don't mind telling you. I just don't like to be sort of public like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and Leah just what? Like she just, the day you just, you weren't she feeling it? Really, um, I think she didn't, I think she didn't want to be there. I think she got offended in hindsight, I think she got offended because I referred to her as like a kid or a child. I mean, she was, this is going back five years maybe. Um, but she just shut down and she was there to talk about her book and then she wouldn't talk. Like, I was like, well, and this interview is up somewhere. Someone could find it because it, there was a lot of like whatever after it. But um, I was like, well, what's your favorite recipe or what do you like about this? And she was, every answer was just, it's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. And I was just like, all right, well, now that we know it's in the book, then what? Like, I, it was really weird. But again, I don't I have to believe it wasn't about me because I'm pretty professional. I, I read my books. I do the things I'm supposed to do. And uh, have you, I mean, it's never happened to me. I'm not yeah. really upset if it happens because it could yeah. work to my advantage in some senses. But one of my biggest fears is that someone will just hang up on me, which has never happened. Has that ever happened where someone's just walked out? No, no. Me either. No, but I don't think I, you know, I'm not there to, if I have you on my show, and I'm sure if you have people on your show, like, I'm there to make it fun and to make it interesting, and maybe we'll talk about something you've not talked about before, and maybe we'll get deep into a conversation, and that's really cool, um, but I'm not there to do any sort of gotcha. Yeah. If I don't, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I, I want to, you know. I know. It's just, you know what? The worlds we live in. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel everyone is, I just, see, we all, you talk about your fears. I, that's one of my things I'm always waiting just for. Maybe I have a little more of a gotcha style, but I'm right. just but always. Though, but your, your brand and the people that you speak to. Yes. I mean, they're also like, if you're going to do reality TV and you're going to be on a show where everything about you is exposed, then like, it's not wrong for you to be asking about it. Cause that's being put out there. So if someone's going to walk out, cause you've asked a probing question based on what they've already put out there. I don't think that's on you. Totally. And it works both ways. I, a lot of people now come to my show wanting press and right. wanting okay. to, well, then there you go. and right. wanting to say things where I'm just like, it's not up to me to judge whether that's a true statement or not. Right. But there's a lot of things sometimes that are said where I'm like, I'm not going to call you out on it. It's not my job, but I'm not right. so sure that I really believe anything that was just said Correct. for the past hour. Yes. Did you ever meet Vanilla Ice? That was one of your fathers. I love him. Yeah. I, uh, I met him. I interviewed him. He actually did. We, there's somewhere there's a video of it, of us doing Ice Ice Baby together. Um, he's That's great. He's adorable and sweet and so smart. Oh my God. He does like house flipping now. He's, I a, know. he's an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. And a good man. He's, I, I love me some vanilla ice. Yeah. yeah, me too. And your brother discovered Tracy Chapman. This is true. Yeah. Yes, totally. 100% true. Um, he discovered Tracy Chapman and he got my father to come see her when he threatened to take her to like a different label, a competing label from my dad. He was like, dad, if you don't show up, I'm calling Clive Davis and having him come. Really? Uh-huh. Yep. And okay. your father was like, I'm heading up. He was like, okay, Brian, I'll come, fine. 
And then he saw her and he's like, I'm sure. sorry, you were yeah. right. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's Tracy Chapman. Wow. Yeah. And your brother's the co-creator of Billions. Yes, but even before that, I mean, he co-wrote Rounders. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff that people know. He's, he's my brother's brilliant. I call you, him my brother Brian. He's so great. Did you watch Billions? Of course. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're so busy, you know. It's my brother's show. I mean. It's a great show. Yeah, it is. Did yeah. you watch your dad on Celebrity Apprentice with Martha? I watched some of it. You know, that was a weird time because Bethany was on that. Ugh, and there was so much Michigas because it's such a... So here's how the story goes, that, that uh, I was assi assisting my father when they decided to do the show. And so at the time when the contestants are, are being sort of introduced to the judges or to the whole process, the, they were given these um, like on a key ring, these pictures of each contestant. So my dad didn't know who was gonna be on the show. And I'm at my desk going through them and then look and I see Bethany and I scream. And I scream because I have this long history with Bethany. Um, she and I were friends in college and lived together in Paris. And then she started dating my brother and then they broke up and then my brother married someone else who he'd been married to for 25 years or whatever. And uh, Amy, who's, anyway, was the love of my brother's life, his whole life. And then she finally said yes. So, um, but Bethany and I sort of had this, not, a, we never had a falling out from, like we just drifted, like normal people drift in their 20s. So when I turned this thing and there she was, I was like, oh my God, how's that gonna work? Cause she like went on vacation with my family. Like how can they have my dad be a judge? Like how's that all work? So, um, I remember at the time I just, I was like, oh my God. And I told my dad and then the way that show worked, it was all very legal, was very, I mean, I think you know how reality TV works. They, they're very careful and very responsible. And so my father knew he could be impartial, which he could. And, uh, and she was great TV. She was incredible TV. But when she didn't end up winning, she ended up, and there was like a page six thing, like, saying it was because of me or my kid, all not true. None of it, we had nothing to do with any of the outcome. It was just a weird whatever. So I think that was a bit odd, but in, in recent years, I think we're fine. I mean, I've seen her and we're fine. I could text her and she'll text me back. I mean, she's, I think she's exactly where she's supposed to be. And she's uh, quick as a whip, um, very, very funny. Uh, and smart driven. I mean, yeah, I, I'm thrilled for what's, what she's made of her life. Was that on TV? I mean, cause I watched it. I can't remember like when you were yeah. looking and you saw her and you screened, that was on, that wasn't on TV, right? That was just like real life. Reproduction. And it was just so, I was like, oh my God, like it was crazy. I was like, wait, what? Cause it was just so random. It was just so weird. And then when she came in, I guess, I forgot how, where she came in, second? Maybe she yeah. couldn't run up? She said why? It was because, like, so her father couldn't that vote one for of her? My kids, that my kid and my niece, that they had told someone that she had won at the finale, and so they changed the finale at the last minute. There was some, like, page six thing. But it just wasn't true. It just was a complete 
And I don't, you know, maybe someone told it to her. I have no idea. It just, but it just didn't happen. So it was wild because she just, she just didn't win. Now she's better off that she didn't win because I don't think anybody knows where the winner is. No. Yeah. And, and I, what she should be doing. I mean, she's always, Bethany has always been incredibly industrious. Um, always had strong entrepreneurship within her. When we lived abroad in Paris, she was, she was selling Harley Davidson's in Europe. It was like importing them from the United States. We were 20 years old. Huh. But that's what she was doing. You, where did you meet her? In college or like high? But in college. So one of my best friends was her, one of her best friends from home. So I went to Tufts, she went to BU. And my friend Natalie was friends with her from home. And so we were all best friends. I mean, and literally went lived together first semester in Paris. And she pretty much came home with me and went on vacation with my family. I mean, she was always here. I mean, it was like, we were really, really tight. And in college, she was like, I need to make money. I'm going to import Harley's. Uh huh. When we were in Paris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was her. Yep. And she always had like that. Yeah. I'm going to be successful. Yep. Always. Yep. Well, I mean, they almost didn't cast her on The Housewives because of The Apprentice, because she was on TV. So to your point, it's better that she didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's pretty amazing. She's really, she's amazing. And you lost touch after all that. And then yeah, you know, just, we had divergent paths. I mean, I, I got married at 27 years old and then like had a real sort of traditional, like wife and mom. Like I didn't, I wasn't out in the workforce. We had, she, I mean, I would run into her. We had people in common, but I just have for her, you know, as I said, I just, I think she is pretty amazing. Like what she has accomplished and it's not at all surprising. It's exactly who she is. Does it ever shock you, like, the whole be strong? I mean, like, Bethany could be president, I think, at this point. Uh, no, it doesn't shock me. I think that she, um, I think she tries to do her very best. That's what I think. And I think she's always true to the who that she is. You're never, you're always, like we were talking about before, you know who you're dealing with. She's going to tell you to your face what she thinks, and that's actually going to be what she thinks. Do you love, and you love now, the Just Jenny show, which started in 2012? You love having your own show? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think I like connecting with the with my listeners. And like you said, there's a therapeutic aspect of it, I think, for all of us on there. Are you, like, fans of the serious family? Like, I mean, do you bow down to the Howard Stern God? Yes. I got to be a guest on Howard's show in 2011. That was just the craziest experience what he was we, very very nice to me really yeah he was so nice to me yep i mean howard's a genius he's a genius and uh he's gracious and he's a kind guy and he's all good and i can only say good things about him and yeah no i have a great serious xm family i'm friends with there's a show called bennington and i love people on that show and um gail and ron and i yeah, I mean, SiriusXM's like, it's, it is my family. I've been there for 15 years. I mean, at some point, like, that's, that's all I know. What about, like, Radio Andy, Sandy Lan? Yeah, I like Sandy a lot. I would see her in the hallways. Andy, I mean, Andy knows me and I know him, but he has no time for me. He has no time for me. I'll be He's- like, hi, Andy Colin. Hi, how are you? I barely get a high back, but I get He's- a high back. He's busy with housewives. 
fine. Oh my God. It's totally, it's all one, like it's all good. He's and, yeah. And you never got into like reality TV. You just. I think that um, I never really got into reality TV. It just, not that, like I, I definitely have on occasion like put on a TV show and then I'm sucked in. Um, and then you could be like in the vortex if you keep watching. But I'm trying to think if there, you know, I loved The Biggest Loser and I guess that's reality TV. I love the weight stuff. So I, I love that. Um, the real estate stuff. You never got into like million no. dollar listing, really? Yeah, no. But I'm trying to think if there's any, I loved American Idol when it was years ago. Like I love that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any, I never really got into Housewives. I've known, I mean, I know Heather Dubrow um, I know Heather Page Kentura. I know her for 30 years because she and my sister were sorority sisters. So like, I know her, but I didn't watch that show. I just know her. Um, I've met people after like Dina from New Jersey Housewives. Uh, we met from my show. She used to listen to my show or she listened to my show. And so we became friends online. I love her. She's just a mate, like lovely. And, uh, yeah. Caroline, Caroline Manzo and I met through John Pasquarella a long time ago, and I think she's so terrific. But I, yeah, I don't know, maybe because I was watching other things, or I, when you work, plus have kids, plus have a husband, plus have dogs, it's like I have very little other time. Listen, I'm all for people having a life. It's not even that I have a life. It's just it's literally like... I like escapism, so like I'll watch on the treadmill, I'll watch on Netflix, like stupid Hallmark content, like When Calls the Heart, the cheesiest Lori Loughlin thing. Those are good. I'm five seasons in, and her character, it's so crazy, because her character is like all about doing the right thing, and now she's going to, like it's, you know, so weird. You need to watch, I don't know if you like Darren Star, you need to watch Emily in Paris. I like it, it's my favorite show I've seen in years. I cried when it ended because I want more. Uh, I thought it was the most perfect escapism. Uh, because I lived in Paris, I, it, was like, it was like I was back there. I was supposed to go to Paris at the beginning of COVID for my 50th birthday. We canceled our trip. I haven't been there in 20 years or 23 years, and I really wanted to go back. And uh, eventually I will, but watching that, ah, oh, I just... Mm, I'm a real Francophile, je parle français. It's like the whole, I want to be there with a croissant, a pain chocolat, like the whole bit. Like I want- I mean, you food. felt like you were in Paris watching that whole thing. Yeah, and it really felt like I was in Paris because it reminded me of when I was there. I loved it. Oh, that it was, was a perfect show for me. I, I was like, no, I, I mean, Darren Star in general can do no wrong as far he as I'm concerned. Do no wrong. I really, I'd love to talk to him, but see that stuff, I, I love the creative process. Like I love, I love the creative process. So like, I would I, love I, to talk to him too. Yeah. So that kind of thing. That I'm into. Just like younger Melrose plays sex and this, like just, That's right. So fun. I mean, yeah. And I right, guess, like what goes through your mind that you can come up with these things it's so interesting yeah. to me i agree the storyline i love the whole instagram part of it it was just terrific uh, brilliant yeah talk to me about bunny eyes so uh a couple of well for, uh 2017 20 like late 20 spring 2017 i i came up with this idea um i was sort of i 
I was really frustrated because I couldn't read every time I got my hair done. It just sounds so stupid, but it's not. Um, when you get, I had perfect vision until I was 44 years old. And at 44, all of a sudden the world became fuzzy because this is what happens when you are in your mid forties, your eyes go to pot. And so I had to start wearing reading glasses and I was also getting my hair blown a lot or getting my hair colored a lot because I'm gray. And every time I'd have to have my hair colored, I was like, this is a giant time waster because it's like 90 minutes and I can't look at anything. So I was like, there has to be a way to find a pair of reading glasses that are cute that you can hold in your hand, like opera. I don't even know why I thought of this, David. I don't even know why. Like, it's so bizarre to me now that, that we've been in business two and a half years because it's just, I don't even know how it happened. But then a few months later, like, I had this idea. I tell my son, I tell my husband, and they're like, okay, cool. But like, I felt it. Like, you know, when you have that moment where you feel something and it doesn't yeah. hurt, like, I never had that happen to me in my life. And I was like, it was crazy. Like, it was like, it was like, I felt it growing in my belly. And then, uh, and then a couple months later, my sister and I were in a beauty parlor next to each other and she was getting her hair colored and she looked really frustrated. And I was like, why do you look so mad? She's like, cause I can't read cause I can't wear my glasses. It was so bizarre. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I started talking to her about it and we started Googling to see if anybody made these glasses and nobody made them, which was also weird. Cause like I'm a student of Shark Tank. I'm going through the whole thing and I'm like, how's this possible that nobody's come up with this? This doesn't make any sense. And uh, so nobody did. So then she and I developed them more. And then we met with, or I met with uh, our partner who was already in the eyewear business and she was going to China for her company. So we had a prototype within three weeks of the idea and we launched 10 months later. I mean, the whole thing is such a whirlwind now. And when I think about how people um, responded and reacted from the get-go, like 90% of the people who I told early on were like, this is the craziest idea, it's so great. And then there was like 10% that were like, what, who wants that? But I couldn't even listen to them because I knew it was a good idea, which is why yeah. when you know you have something, you have to just believe it. And anybody who tells you that you're wrong, you're not wrong. They might not get it. As long as you get it, you have to follow through. Um, John was early on at one of the people who was like, it's a crazy idea. You got to do it. Uh, but yeah, we made these glasses that are flippable, tiltable, and wearable. And so you can, you can hold them in your hand. So you can flip the temple and hold them in your hand like an opera glass, right? Like that. So like if you're at the barber getting a haircut and you want to be reading and you don't want the, the temple of the glasses to get in the way of the haircut, they're not going to get in the way of the haircut. You can also, if you're lying in your bed on your side, you just flip one temple. So now the other temple doesn't dig into the side of your head and you can read while you're lying in your bed. But the other cool thing that we realized because we've made this hinge is that you can watch TV and check your phone at the same time by tilting the front of the frame. So it's got like these really cool things and they're all adorable and we named the company after our mom bunny so it's bunnyeyeswithaz.com but it's um, it's probably the thing i'm most proud of that i've that i've done i mean it's a great idea yeah thanks yeah it's, and it's just for readers right uh in the spring we're launching optical so in the spring we will have prescription and i have about do you know that i you don't know this about me i have literally about 55 pairs of glasses 
Do you like, want reading glasses or prescription? Prescription. Like I, it's a whole thing. And when, when, when our optical line launches, it will, you'll have a pair. I mean, that, that's, I can't wait. They're gorgeous. Oh my God. The hinges, it, they're magnificent. And the fact that we got our utility pad, it was funny because I'm like you, I'm a lawyer. And at the beginning I like forgot to, to file for patent. Like I just wasn't thinking about it. Like I was nervous about the idea, but I wasn't thinking about like who was going to knock us off. And then Juliana Margulies was one of the first people to see them. And when she saw them, because we shared the same hair person, my stylist Sebastian and my hair colorist Gina. And so, uh, so when, when uh, Julia Margulies Julia, uh, um, found them, why did I just space on her name? Juliana Margulies? Yeah, Juliana, because I'm 50. When Juliana Margulies mm. saw them, and I've interviewed her twice, and she's great, by the way, she's a great interview. And, really? Oh, yeah. And smart and nice. Anyway, she was like, you guys have a patent, right? She says to my sister, the hair colorist. And my sister was like, not yet. And then like within, and our patent attorney was a listener of my show, is a listener. Of my really? Show for 15 years. So he was the one I hired. Is that how you found him? You just gave a shout out on the show? He had, no, he was a fan. So I'd spoken to him through the years. He had listened to years ago. So at that point, I'd been on the air however many years. And when I knew I needed a patent lawyer, I, I knew he was smart and I reached out to him and we have our utility patent and we have some design patents. And yeah, he got it all done. Would you ever go on Shark Tank? Not that you need Shark Tank, but you mentioned them. Yeah, so we danced around the idea early on. But um, the thing about Shark Tank is you need an ask. And we didn't really have an ask. We launched really, we had an incredibly lucky launch and we had like Hoda Coffee is a fan of them and she talked about them on the Today Show. I mean, it was really organic, um, the response initially and, and people who tend to have them tend to love them and so then they talk about them and I have a lot of relationships with different people and that's been really lucky that and kind that people have shared their love of bunny eyes. Um, so yeah, so we haven't, um, I think you have to go on Shark Tank with sort of a, I want to give you this and get that in return. And we weren't at the, that point looking to sort of give up equity and we were self-funded. So this wasn't the right fit, but if one day it is, then sure. Do you have a preference of a shark that you would maybe want other than the others? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I mean, they all have different really cool aspects to them there's different reasons why each one would be fun to work with is that your politically correct answer yes it is yes it is yes i will not play favorites but secretly do you have a favorite i don't i know okay. that she's done my show a few times i know mark a little bit because he's friends with my brother you know there's six degrees of separation damon's been on my show like i i mean part of this business and you know this too it's like you know everybody ultimately kind of so i don't it's hard it's hard try having a show that kind of does go there in the small space i mean i get people mad at me when i have a guest on or something how do you deal with that and i'm like i didn't fucking say it how do you deal with that how do you deal with it when someone comes at you then to me it's just like in a way, I get defensive. In a way, it's like, I mean, listen, girls got to eat. Like, I mean, you got your job. I got my job. 
to me, it's like, again, I go back to that, like, you could almost say anything. Like, again, if you have a personal thing against me and come at me, I am a lawyer. Like, I will, you want to draw that line down the middle, I swear to you, I will come at you and it won't stop. Like, my mind goes into, like, I see red. Yeah, it's that, it's a superpower. If someone hurts you, your superpower kicks into gear and you use your brain. And I'm sorry, like, I hate to sound like this, but you're not going to win against a lawyer. Like, just men, like, just, we are You're prepared. We're sick creatures, like, when it comes to, like, a fight. Short of that, you can say anything about me. Like, it just, I don't care. So, like, I don't understand how everyone gets all upset, and you're all on reality TV making whatever salary Right. You're, you're worried about what this person said on my show. But the thing is, they come on my show and then it gets headlines. It's in People and Us Weekly. And blah, but I think blah, that's blah. great. And I think that you know who you are and you know what you're doing. I think that's the other thing. Like, you have a really clear perspective, a really clear point of view. So that's, I think that's actually a gift. And you can't, like, I think also the fact that you don't care what people say. You really kind of shouldn't because they're not better than you. They don't know more than you. They're just mad. And honestly, whenever people say things like, are you shocked that this came out about that person or that this person did that, or they said this, it's that old like Oprah adage, like when people tell you and show you who they are, believe them, none of the shocking revelations are like that shocking. They're just sort of like shocking because they're said aloud, like, because we get to hear them. And so, but I don't know, none, none of like the bad stuff ends up being kind of a leap from who people are. Like you are who yeah. you are. You want a reality show and you show a side of you that's, that's whatever. That's because that's that side of you. Yeah. That's part of who you are. Otherwise it wouldn't show up like that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And a lot of times like I'll feel bad, you know, just because it's someone I like, but yeah. I'm just kind of like, I didn't, and I'm really careful about I won't egg it. Like, you know, I'll ask you a question, but I won't say I agree. Yes. Like I'll just sometimes to a strange fault where someone will say something and I'll just say like, okay, okay. Right. Like I I won't even give one little, you know how this works. It's not you though, but you're not the one saying it. They can't be mad at you if press picks up on a guest saying something horrible about someone else. I've been, I've gotten off there, I'll tell you, on certain housewives, I mean, I've gotten into screaming matches. I mean, literally having to hold the phone away from my ear. And I'll scream back. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh, my God. You see what you don't deal with without dealing with the worlds of reality TV? Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't have to do that. I don't, I mean, I've had, I've had people, but just not, I don't know. I wish I could fall in love with one of those shows and really, like, get into it. I just haven't. Yeah. Which one should I start with? Oh, the Housewives is such a, you know what? I would start with like a non Bravo. Like I would do like Selling Sunset. I tried Selling Sunset. I what, think. It was, was it too vapid? It was, you know, I started it because of the, I had interviewed Justin Hartley like a week before the divorce revelations. And I was like, I did not see that coming. Like he was, first of all, so handsome that you. So handsome. Like I, I'm sitting with him, talking to him, and I'm like, God, you're adorable. And there's like almost like you feel almost safe because at the moment I thought like he was married. So, and, and I'm happily married. Like, I love my husband. I don't want to be with anybody else, but I can recognize that someone's handsome and it feels like a very safe space. Like, he's married. I'm married. Like, I'm sure. Like, have you ever had 
one or two interviews that stick out as your like best interviews? Or you don't like to oh, say wow. that either? I, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, because it's 15 years worth of talking to people. So I have to think back um, to, to ones that were really special. Um, Rosie O'Dowdell and I became good friends somehow through this job. So she's been on a bunch and she's been, she's a friend. So those are always, those are always good when, when it's people who are your friends. Um, I'm trying to think, I got to interview Celine Dion from when I did, I did it for either Entertainment Tonight or The Insider. Cause I used to do a little bit of like that TV stuff. That's and a good that, one. That was a great one. She was, what a lovely woman. Just lovely. Oh my God. Yeah. Warm. And Justin Hartley, you were saying just. It was just so hot. I mean, he's, I've met him before. He's really hot. And he's, I mean, at least from the out, he's really nice too. Yeah. He was so nice and so hot. Um, Chrissy Metz is terrific from that show. Um, Trying to think who else. Carrie Washington. I've talked to a couple of times, maybe three times. I love her. Uh, I, I, I think I appreciate with the women, especially like when they're smart. I just like that. I just. Did you watch Scandal? I did. I did. So there's a brilliant show. Oh my God. I, Shonda Rhimes is sort of on my list of people I'm dying to talk to. She's a good one. Yeah. I, I think any of those people like Darren Starr, like Ryan Murphy. Yeah. The process of it and everything. Do you still watch, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? I do. My whole family does. It's still, listen, Meredith Grey is one of the best characters in TV history. For sure. Yeah. It's like such a layered character. You're like, yeah. Did you see though, this thing that just came out like in the past, like two months, not that it's any shock, but like Sandra, O is like, just listen, like. I did. I was upset by that. She's like, it's never going to happen. people. I don't know. She, I feel bad about those things. So I'm like, why not go back and say hi, just for fun. Just have for you fun. ever interviewed Ellen Pompeo? I have not. I would like to. I like her, but no. Uh, trying to think of who I've interviewed. I have to, I, sounds so terrible that I can't remember, but I can't, it's, I would have to, I can't, I have a list because I have to keep like a. I mean, they always ask like Howard Stern this too. And like, he's always just yeah. like, I mean, what? Like you want me to remember everybody? It's hard. It's really hard um, because it's just, uh, it's for some reason, it's hard to remember here. I'm going to look at some of them. Rick Springfield was a really fun interview. Um, I like Brooke Shields a lot. How's Brooke uh, Shields? I, I'm obsessed with Brooke Shields. Fabulous. She's uh, just a regular girl, just like a real regular girl. Um, Kevin Costner was a terrific interview. Lovely. Rob Lowe, I've interviewed. I liked him a lot. Uh, Is he fun? He seems fun. He was fun. He was smart. He was self-deprecating. I was just going to say, he's like in on the joke, right? Yes. Yes. And that is something that I find really appealing in a guest. Is someone knows why they're there, knows who they are, and is open to kind of share it. Did you watch Brothers and Sisters? At the beginning. I didn't watch it the whole way through, but I was a big West Wing person. And then I also loved the show he did, uh, The Lawyer Show with Fred Savage. Fred Savage was a fun interview too. The Lawyer Show, The Grinder. It was great. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Should have should have kept going. I should've, it it should have kept going. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. See, you, we have some TV in common. 
for sure. It's just the reality stuff. I get maybe because I've always felt like I was like uh, almost like a step away from those people. Like six degrees of separation was always, you know, I always know somebody on those shows. Either I actually know them or like we have a friend in common. So there's something, I don't know. And why couldn't you get into Selling Sunset just like to? I think I just didn't care. I was like, I, I like pretty houses and stuff, but I just, I didn't, I just didn't care. You didn't care about the drama in the yeah, office. I love documentaries. Like I, I love learning. Did you see my octopus teacher? Oh. It was good. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, yeah. So I like real life. I, there's just something just never really got into it, but I, I get why other people do. And also I do think there is, I think there is some truth to sort of the six degree of separation thing. Like, I lived in New York City. I know New York City. I know New York City society. I know, like, that's LA. I, like, I can go to any of the restaurants. I mean, I just, so it's. You're just kind of like, this is like everyday life. Why are people so intrigued? Not, I get why they're intrigued, but I think that's maybe the reason why I'm not. I get it. I mean, listen. I go to those places, but I could. I don't. I don't traipse like fantastic ever, but I could. Well, I mean, I make it a point to not just have reality people on this podcast. I just think having all your eggs in one basket is not a good way to go. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Of course. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. I, I, I love Krista Miller. Uh, Candace Cameron Bure has been on my show a bunch of times. She's actually really, she's fun. Um, I'm obsessed with Pamela Adlon. Better Things on FX is just, she's like crazy talented. There goes to the talent thing again. Like Pamela Adlon writes, directs, stars, um, does voice work. If you look at her bio, she's just insanely talented and always kind of falls on the, the right side of things. Like, I like good people. Do you have, like, one or two people you're just dying to interview? Yeah, well, Shonda Rhimes is one of my dying interviews. Um, I'm trying to think who else I really haven't talked to that I really want to. Um, I loved interviewing Jennifer Addison. I did that one for, I don't know, Entertainment Tonight or Extra. That was fun. I did her with Jason Sudeikis, and that was a fun. That I could fun. see that being fun. That was so much fun. Um, I have uh, trying to think who would want. I can't think of anybody right now, but I'm sure once we're done, I'm gonna. Go Shonda's a good one. Yeah, I'd love to talk to her. I mean, it's it's like addictive, right? Like the more people you interview, the more you're like, oh, I just had a great thought. Yeah. So. Well, everyone needs to tune in to Just Jenny on Sirius. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great uh, show. Weekdays from uh, twelve to two p.m. East. Sirius XM Stars one hundred and nine, and I'm Just Jenny Hut on Instagram. And follow me. I, I every day I make it. Uh, um, it's important to me to have you and me that we move our bodies. It's one of my things. Is this hashtag movement movement that everybody should be moving their bodies. Every day, doesn't matter what you do, but you gotta exercise because it's good for your brain. That's very passionate about that. I agree. And bunny eyes, everyone. Where can everyone? Well, where can everyone find you online and bunny eyes too? Right, bunny eyes with a Z. Bunnyeyes.com is my is my glasses, um, and they're really cute, and they're not expensive. And bunny eyes with a Z.com, they're great. And like and- for anyone who hasn't seen them, like I mean. People, you guys, like, they really bend. They, yeah, they do cool things. It's almost <laughs> like you think you're going to break them. Yeah, but you don't break them. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, try not to break them. I mean, there's no reason for that. But they're no, they're great. And then, uh, but my website's just Jenny.com. My show's just Jenny. But on Instagram, I'm at just Jenny Hutt, and I think that's I use that the most for social media. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for being on my show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having oh, me on your show. your show. Thank you for having me on your show. I well, I mean, I was on your show too. So you were, and you were such a good guest. I told John, you're adorable. Anytime you need me to come yeah. back. Oh, you're gonna. Have, I'm gonna have you back. I'm gonna have you come back to do like you know to sort of explain some reality TV stuff to me. Anytime you need like an update on like the reality stuff. No, I'm gonna do it. I could tell you anything. That would be great. Yeah, available, good. available, last minute. Perfect. Good. So, but I do appreciate, tell your husband and children, thank you for letting me steal you. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. So, all right. Bye. Love you much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.